What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of No Reserves Radio. Here with me, as always, is Alex. How's it and going, today, guys? today, with us, today, is a woman soccer enthusiast, an NBA hater, that's gross, a Chicago Bears fan, or a Chicago sports fan, because someone has to be, part-time Twitch streamer with over 20,000 subscribers, who enjoys long walks on the beach, and posing for thumbnails with his mouth wide open, ladies and gentlemen, I, Forensic, what's up, buddy? Oh, man, what an intro, what an intro. You guys did your research, I love that. Oh, man, appreciate you guys having me on. So I got a story, okay? I got a story, all right? So Alex didn't tell me your name, like your your username at all. And he was like, hey, can I have this guy who streams on? And I, being the, the very intelligent person I am, was like, sure, let's do it. So I go to the person I do this with, and I was like, hey, we're going to have this guy on. And he asked me, so what's this guy's name? Did you do any research on him? And I was like, no, I did not. <laughs> it was all me. So, it was all me. I got all a, Alex. this new guest. So, so yeah. I've, what was that I've been conversation like? Quite a while. What was, what, what was that conversation like, Forensic? I'm just curious. How did Alex um, seduce you? Yeah, so Alex told me he was on a podcast. He's been mentioning it a few times. Um, I've never done a podcast before, so in my the back of my head, I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting, like, just talking NFL, because I'm sitting here talking about a sport in uh, soccer, football, footy, that um, I don't think I have enough, like, in-depth in, in knowledge like I do NFL. So when he uh, brought up the, uh, the question to me, you want to come on? I was like, yeah, let's talk a little NFL. Let me uh, get my NFL takes out there. Well, it can't be any worse than Alex. I know <laughs> that you do a bullets. lot of soccer betting and alex decided that he wanted to do the betting lines for the entire nfl season and if i'm not mistaken you got around 40 percent. so do you have any tips for alex on making better predictions <laughs> Yo, Man, the, NFL is tough. <laughs> the nfl is tough i gotta say though just from uh seeing alex's at least logic thought process on player props. I got to respect it. Now, if he was taking money lines or totals or sides, it, you know, I don't know. W once you go there in the NFL, it's an it's anything can happen. But um, I respect Alex's knowledge a lot on uh, his player uh, research and his player props in general for betting lines. 40% though, dude. Damn. And to be fair, Angelo, <laughs> I literally this like one. made a no, 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 no. whatever uh, uh, Alex did it. I need to, to talk about this because Angel has forgotten to mention that in the playoffs, though, I am at 83% and he's at 25%. <laughs> so there you go. It was just a bad stretch that lasted for like 18 weeks. <laughs> stretch that lasted for 18 weeks. Okay. So I have a question for you. Because we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about plenty of other things, but... Have you ever had, like, you were thinking about, like, making a prediction in soccer, and you say it on your stream, or you say it wherever, and then you turn the, the computer down, you get a brewski, you get something, you wait till Alex is gone, and then you just go, that was a bad call. <laughs> ever? No, no, I can't say that's ever happened. <laughs> 
And You've never had that? Plenty. Wow. I know Alex has had that happen at least three or four times. Plenty. Plenty more than that. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like, I make the pick and I'm like, God damn, man. This is going to blow in my face so much. It happens. It does. It does. I guess the problem for me is like when I do it, it's usually I don't get the time to like, Dot, like uh, reflect, go back, sit down. It's like I'm on stream when you see it in real time where I'm regretting taking something. Oh, so you don't, you don't, ha- you don't have that time of reflection by yourself with the dark, scary voices in your head telling you you just <laughs> fucked up. Okay, never. Got I have it, the people it, telling it. it to me in my face that I fucked up. That works. <laughs> Okay, so something that we were talking about today, and Alex, I don't know if you heard this report, but word around the NFL is that the rest of the NFL is doing their process with the assumption that the Chicago Bears will be selecting Caleb Williams with the first overall pick. One, kind of duh. Two, what is your thought as a Bears fan? I think I think before before I forensic response to this, I think you're getting okay, a bit it. carried away because we still haven't talked about him. Like, there's the first part of the show that you completely derailed. So let's walk I back always, just a little bit. That's I my know, fa- man. Derailing shows is my thing, dude. It's your favorite thing in the whole world. But first, because I know this dude for quite a while. I've been following him on Twitch for, I don't know, like two years. But our audience probably doesn't. So I'm going to give him a bit of a floor. And I want you to talk about at least like one or two things. First of all, how did you get into streaming? Especially like streaming soccer, which is not the most common thing for Americans to, to enjoy. But you seem to like it quite a bit. And I want to understand how it got to you streaming oh, and go betting and all of that. Oh, yeah. We should have saved we're this just, for later. But go we're on. just doing the cliche thing here. And oh, I got I got more than a few questions for him, but go on. To finalize that, that thing, I just wanted to, to ask you if you have any tips for anyone who's thinking about starting Twitch. So just the very cliche things, but you can have the floor. No, yeah, for sure. Uh, Great questions, actually. So I got into streaming. Funny enough, I had like a discord base of like, let's just say 15 people um, to start with. And they were just interested in me, really. So for the first two to three months, I was in that slot streaming, casino streaming, uh, the wild, wild west of Twitch back in the day. I did that for about two to three months. And I can't lie to you. I hated it. I did not like the the community I was growing. Um, Slot streamers are just I don't know. I, everything just feels very disingenuous with the transparency and stuff. So I ditched that in January of 2022 or 2021. I fully switched over um, to soccer betting. That's where I made all my money. So I love baseball. I love football. But soccer is where I found to have the most fun live betting, pregame betting. The game is just great. Once you understand it on like a chess level, um, which I wish other Americans would at least give it a try. They really don't, though, for the most part. Um, it became Im- incredible. Then the addiction co- came in of me meeting new people from around the world. Like you, for example, you're from Portugal, people from Finland, Romania, Norway, Sweden, all coming to stream. And the main common thing we all have is that we want to just be-, be degenerates on like lower level soccer leagues or women's soccer, whatever. The common goal is just wanting the ball to go in the net for the most part. Um, <clears throat> so it was a great, it was a great, great time. And um, what was the second part of your question where you asked, uh, oh, any tips? Any tips, um, yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. So my biggest tip uh, for streaming, and I'm I'm nowhere near where I want to be really, but I think it's all about less is more. I think a lot of people when they start their streams, they think they need to have like all of the best stuff. Their 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 stream um needs to have all these like overlays, all these alerts. But in the beginning, like the biggest thing is like you being yourself, you having a personality that people want to watch, that stay entertained with. So I think it's all about engaging with your community, being happy with whatever you have. Um, I've, I've watched a lot of like new streamers trying to up and like up and coming new streamers. They get really, uh, hung on how many viewers they have and they're not focused on like the people that do come back. So there's, there's these like guys, let's say with like 10 to 15 viewers that are like, man, I wish I had a hundred viewers, but you can't take those 10 to 15 viewers for granted. Like those are the people that are going to be there from the beginning. So, um, not like, uh, I guess a tip really people are expecting, but I, I genuinely think like, that's the biggest thing. Like less is more. Um, and really building the foundation of your stream with the people that are already there. So here's a question for you. Here's a follow-up question. So you eventually went full-time streamer. You do not have like a job outside of streaming, correct? Correct, yes. So what was that process like for you? Because I've actually had discussions about this. And so everyone that does this podcast with us has a full-time job. I don't know if I could see myself not having a full-time job, no matter what the dollar amount is. So what was that process like to, for you going to make that decision to doing it full-time? So my first of all, my parents were extremely supportive when I was still at my 9 to 5 about pursuing something that I loved. And um, I never even disliked my old job, but I used to be an environmental engineer. Um, what that entailed was me just being um, in different states, different areas all the time, just doing like remedial cleanups, uh, like, for example, just like not to get too boring, but like uh, radiation cleanups, wildfire stuff in California. Did that for about three years. Um, and then in co during COVID, I had a lot of time at home because we weren't allowed to like go anywhere. So I was kind of just here doing reports. And then that's when I joined Discord to uh, just figure out what, you know, what soccer betting really was. And then through that connection, I just made, um, I mean, without getting too specific in numbers, I just made a lot between 2020 and 2021. There was a couple of different things, women's soccer, e-soccer, just some things that just weren't correct on the lines. Um, I basically abused those for about a year and a half. Then I went back to my parents and was like, I think this streaming thing can work. I just got to try it. And then a little bit back in history, when I was like 10 to 12 years old, when Call of Duty 4 came out, I made three YouTube videos. I had about 20,000 views on it. This was like in 2006. Um, and I deleted it because I got I got harassed for how my voice sounded uh, when I was like 10 to 12 years old. So I always I always look back in that and be like, I want to at least give this like a real try. So um, parents definitely being supportive and then just having the uh, the financial backing of like how much I made from betting from 2020 to 2021 um, to help kind of support that and kind of give me some uh, like leeway or space to uh, keep pursuing it. That's a really good answer. I appreciate so it. you do. So honestly, I'm in the same boat as you because like when I watched the Matt Pat video where he basically is he's retiring, basically he's stepping aside. I realized that this is something that I wanted to do for 10 plus years before I actually did it. And I regretted not doing it sooner. No, it's definitely one of those things. Yeah, I a lot of this me doing this now is from regret of not pushing that YouTube back in 2006. Like, yeah. I always just think 15,000 views in 2006 on YouTube is just insane. Yeah, dude. <laughs> all, all because I called a speaker. 
Yeah, yeah, you got you got you got bullied by Cod by Cod. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which to be like honest, not even the worst thing could have been called back then, honestly. I I know, right? <laughs> Is it like one of the most normal like places to get bullied? Because I never really played a whole lot of COD, but from my experience talking with friends and all of that was that it's oh. like it's one of the most like toxic are you telling me you you've actually... never been in a fucking modern warfare lobby uh i'm not usually super into like first person oh, shooters and all that man, no. that explains so much that that <laughs> explains quite honestly that explains why you are the biggest fucking pussy when it comes to like making aggressive trades to go for a championship <sighs> You never I got mean, called a squeaker in a cod I've, lobby, dude. I've told you, I'm usually much more of a like strategic game track type of guy. For example, when I play Madden, fantasy league with this guy, by the way, I am. Yes. What is that like? Please, I, I ask everyone who's in a league with him to, to to explain this to me. What is this man like in that league? So I'll be honest. I'll be very honest about it. Um, for me, I'm, I've been in plenty of leagues where there is like an Alex, where an aggressive trader starts off pretty low but wants to work with you um but what's funny is i had other people in the league were telling me like bro who is this alex guy and what are these trades i'm like all right so i tried to tell them i was like i think alex is like aggressively oh. trading but i think he's you gonna start it. very low and then you have to work up with him you got the alex lowball he sent it to like everyone too i bet i yeah, have that, to understand who i'm playing with from the very start and some guys, some guys in that league, like things started to work out a bit, and I got some guys talking. Another ones just, for example, Eatles just fully exposed me on Discord chat plenty of times. I so that's you. fun. Um, so, let me but, yeah, explain something usually to you, Alex. How I do things. When you lowball someone, it doesn't get them talking. Some of them. I guess the uh, problem there's... is not the lowballing so much, but it's like lowballing multiple people and just if as long as you're banking on them not talking to each other, that's fine. But like if he like for example, Hito's putting in the chat, then you're kind of just exposed. Yeah. And then you're kind of just hung out that's... and dry a little Alex, bit. And yeah, this is how the Alex the tax comes. This is why I was able to get an Alex tax in two fucking leagues, Alex. Because they 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 all came to me. They swarmed to me. They're like, man, this motherfucker keeps offering me these shit deals. And I'm like, yeah. And look at his team. We should all not trade with him. And that's what happened, Alex. <laughs> this is how the this is how the Alex tax happens. This is how the Alex tax. I like that the Alex tax. <laughs> uh, yeah, true. that's a running gag on like two or three leagues. Yeah, so it's that's real. Fun. It's not just a gag. It's real to a lot of people. To me, it's just annoying sometimes, but yeah, that does happen quite a bit. And to be honest, like uh, in the in the redraft league, it's one thing because it's hard to evaluate the deals like in long term uh, because oh. there's no like dynasty aspect. But some of the trades that I've offered in dynasty that it looked like they were not good to start, or at least the deals that I've offered were not good to start. If you look back on some of those, like. Some of those look pretty even right now. So maybe I'm just a bit ahead. Could that so, be it? So listen. So listen. <laughs> listen, Alex. We're, we're going to have to have an intervention here. Okay. We're going to have to have an intervention here, buddy. So 
Have you won in that league yet? I don't even know what your team looks like, but I'm assuming it's good because it's your. Have you won in that league? Oh, the league that I'm in with Forensic? Yep. No, that's a redraft league. Oh, so no dynasty. It's just, it was the money league. You have an experienced dynasty with this motherfucker. He's talked that about ex- it a lot, so I kind of, that, I kind of like seen it a little bit. <laughs> I've shown like so the much. the shaft some of my teams. That explains so much. <laughs> Is this the league with the Bears fans in it? Uh, yeah, the thirty-two team league. Yeah, okay. in the thirty-two team league, there's a guy who's a Bears fan or two. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it was some random guy who, like, after the Bears started poorly, said, like, just relax, guys. This team is definitely winning eight to nine games. So iForensics have uh never experienced the the Alex during the rookie draft getting rookie fever and making a flurry of... Man. (laughs) That's something for another day. Okay? Let's not expose all of my secrets here. Oh, we can expose them all. I don't care. So, oh. did you watch... Okay, uh, here, I'll explain it like this. iForensic, did you watch the episode where we had Luke on? Um, It was only the uh, the very last episode. It was the one I listened okay. to. Okay, I, I'm going to give you a quote from Luke, and this is what it's like playing with Alex and Dynasty. I asked Luke, because he was in a league with both of us, what is it like trading with Alex, and what is it like trading with me? <laughs> and Luke said... Trading with Alex, I always think that he has an alternative motive or he's trying to get one over on me. I'm always wary of his trade offers, and I always do extra research and look into them. With you, it's always chill. I always like our deals are so simple or they don't get done, and then I like it that way. This man, this man has like psychologically damaged, I'd, I'd argue, at least a half dozen people. It's it's crazy because I have someone like that in my league, so I guess I was so accustomed to it. But it is it is a true thing when you have someone um, who who you think is like very smart and just always is this. You know, there's always a, a vibe on how you trade with someone, and you do feel like they're trying to get one over you sometimes. Psychological warfare, baby. No, it really is. I've always said <laughs> I don't know if we want to get in like trade like advice or whatever. I've always thought like when yeah, you want to do a do a trade with someone, my logic is very simple. I know who I want on your team, so I'll just tell you I want this guy. Then you just tell me who you want on my team, and that's our starting point. I always hate asking or I always hate offering my guys up because I always think if I offer someone up on my team, unless it's a top two guy on my, on my team, the other guys gonna think that the guy suck. Like, just inherently, if I offer something for my team, the other guys are going to be like, yeah, this guy's not that good if he's offering him up. So I'm always like, who do you want? Most times, I'm actually surprised at what my other league mates want from me. And then it's a great starting point for a trade, usually. See, that's what I wanted people to tell me. And that's what, <laughs> that's what happens oh, quite often. But you often. don't do that by offering, like, Justin Jefferson for two first, Alex? To be honest, like, my main starting point when we're talking trades and dynasty is always like, okay, I want X, who who are you interested in my team? And most of the times, people aren't too open to that because it's like they don't want to tell me the price on their players or they don't want to complete, like, for example, much of, like, what Forensic was saying, like, saying, okay, I'm interested in that guy and me thinking, like, who even is interested in this sort of, 
of player. And some people just don't want to open up the game and they want an offer straight away. And I struggle dealing with that because I don't want, as I said, and that's why I open, I open with like sometimes very shitty trades because I don't want to give up my game right away. So I start to try and go very, very low. Sometimes I'm just, I just go lower than I should. Oh my God, Alex. I don't even... It is what it is. Okay, but now, I guess we can walk back. All of this. No need to talk about my my secrets, my fantasy football secrets. You had a question regarding the Bears and Justin Fields. Before I walked you back through all of this, which was your question again? Let's go back to that one. Well, let's let's start from... How, how do you as a Bears fan view the way the season went for the Bears? It's tough. Um, so as a diehard Bears fan, I'd put it uh, number two, but it's like a one A one B with the Cubs, um, with my team. So and it's it, it, it's just, it's it's from my dad everything. But basically, this season, um, watching that first Packers game, I wanted to throw up. I wanted to just throw it all out. I was just like, this is stupid. I have to support this for seventeen more. I, I was just so pissed off. That's how we started off the year because. As a Bears fan with the team that we had, it wasn't a Super Bowl-bound team, right? We knew that. We maybe thought maybe compete for a wild card. I mean, not me. I never thought it was a Super Bowl, uh, like, you know, ahead of Oh, wait, you weren't one of these Bears fans that thought this this game was going to be a cakewalk? This is news to me. This is not what I experienced. This is not what... And this is the problem. Alex tells me that he is around Bears fans with this delusion. And I'm just sitting here going, how? They have owned us for the last like 10 years. And they've always had a good quarterback. And this guy, Jordan Love, comes in and just drags us for four quarters. So right then and there, I'm like, the season's done. I don't know what we have to do from here. I have to keep supporting this bullshit because I'm a loyal fan. But this is terrible. So right then and there, I was like, garbage. Then, obviously, we just start losing more games. And I'm like, all right, well, you know what? The Panthers are losing. We'll have assets. So that, that's where my mind heads immediately. Week four, week five. After that Broncos game, I was like, can we get rid of the coach? Can we get rid of Eberflus? Because now we're just blowing leads. Like, this is ridiculous. Because I always that? think blowing leads is on the the, the, the head coach. I, I don't know where any, what, what do you guys think on that. But I think when you blow a lead, that's on the head coach. Maybe the defensive coordinator, if it's something crazy where, like, the defense is just playing awful. But I think it's the head coach. Then, obviously, we just started playing well. Like, then everything just started becoming a little bit better. We started winning games. We beat the Vikings on primetime without scoring a touchdown. We beat um, the Falcons in a crazy game. I think Justin Fields maybe best game as a pro. And then all I wanted, all I wanted, the Super Bowl of our season was to knock the Packers out of the playoffs. It was everything I wanted. And when that game happened, I was like, all right, I'm defeated. So I ended the season pretty defeated. I know there's a lot of Bears fans who are probably hype about having this draft capital, having the first overall. I'm a defeated fan right now. I had to like get into like a multiple hour long arguments because I I had me well I, I think Alex started, but Alex had the audacity to say the Packers were a better team than the Bears entering the season. That was, yeah, that was I I would have said no to that too. Probably entering the season, I would have been like, "Nah, we don't know what Jordan Love is." I would have said that. So okay, <laughs> so because our point of view is like, um, we play fantasy football, we play dynasty. This is where the the podcast was born. This 
specific podcast regarding football because me and Angelo started playing Dynasty football together. And there's a few guys in there that uh, are very adamant that Justin Fields is a good QB. So that sometimes taints the perception that one has regarding like the fan base of a team because what we are getting there is not really like a fan of a team. It's a fan of a QB due to what he did in college, due to like his rushing upside. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's a good QB, but it works for fantasy football. So like just having that amount of people being like, okay, Justin Fields is really good. Justin Fields will take a step up. Having guys in the media like Dan Orlovsky. To be fair, Justin Fields has gradually improved year after year. Oh, come on now. Not again. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Angelo. It is true. It is true, though. Before I have a meltdown. But he has again. Yes, we've talked about it. You can't say it's the same Justin Fields, dude. Great. Yeah, great, man. Sure. He has evolved like, yeah, he's 2% better than what he was in like when he was a rookie. Great. Great evolution, man. Really just an amazing QB. But before I get too riled up about this, then you have guys in the media like Karlovsky, for example, who were saying like Fields to be an MVP, for example. I heard that quite a bit. And it just basically all piles on and gives us this perception that Bears fans were actually pretty high on the team. And it seems like at least you, but you seem to be a very grounded guy when it comes to like... Uh, the perception that you have regarding your team and how they will perform in that season. So I'm not necessarily sure if this like is what everyone thought, but I definitely think there were a lot of people super high on Justin Fields by himself. Not necessarily that the Bears would be good, but that Justin Fields will take the step up and be that much better at being a QB of an NFL team. And that that's where, like, me and Angelo were like... Angelo sort of defends him at times. I'm very critical of him. But we were both very adamant that the Packers would be a better team. And we got into it with one of our league mates that has been, has been playing Dynasty football with us for quite a while. And he was like, the Packers are shit. The Bears are very good. Justin Fields is very good. Then he was posting, like, tweets from guys who also think that Justin Fields is very good from a fantasy football standpoint and they were like posting the records that they have predicted for the teams and it's like the Bears to finish second in the division or something like that with a 9 and 8 record if I'm not mistaken the Packers to finish last with a I don't know like 5 and 13 5 and yeah something like that like a losing record under 500 for the Packers and yeah that's where we got the perception that Bears fans and all of that were really high on their team but apparently that's not the case here's a question that was posed to me earlier and i want to pose it to you guys because it seems like the right time to ask it um caleb williams is likely going 101 is the bears roster as constructed a really solid quarterback away from a playoff run like do you believe in this bears roster with caleb williams being a potential playoff team next year if it happens see that i would depends. say no I would say no personally. Huh. But see, I'm in I'm in the camp of I've because I've now I've I've done a lot of like listening to people and hearing every scenario out. Now I don't think Justin Fields is very good or a good quarterback. I think he's a good NFL player, right? I know that may not be what we exactly we need. The problem I'm having is that people are not thinking about worst case scenario if Caleb Williams doesn't 
pan out year one. And the reason I say pan out year one is because if we do the Caleb Williams route and we get rid of Justin Fields for a third, fourth, fifth, whatever, nothing, whatever. If we do this, I need Caleb Williams to be good now. There is no getting the feet wet anymore because we've done that with Fields. We've we've done that with Trubisky. We've done the whole get their feet wet, watch them, watch them try to uh, tr- uh, transform into a better quarterback, and then it doesn't pan out. So if we do this again for the third straight year with a third, I guess third different coach, John Fox, uh, Nagy, and now Eberflus, um, yeah. and we do it with Caleb Williams again, and it doesn't work out, I feel like that is a catastrophic issue with the team rather than keeping Fields trading back a pick, getting more assets, and then getting two uh, top 10 guys on rookie contracts, like, uh, for example, like Marvin Harrison Jr. and then that Florida State uh, DN that they all have us projected getting. If we have those two guys on rookie contracts with fields and then more drafts uh, capital later, I I just don't – I think that is more safe. And even if fields doesn't pan out, we can handle that. I feel like it's not the end of the world. But if Caleb Williams doesn't pan out – you got to tear the whole thing down again. Everything. So here's here's a curious. Here's curious. I you almost can't do it because you don't. Historically, over the last few years, one on ones have not done this. But would you be in favor of the Bears benching Caleb Williams for a full season, and then starting him year two? Yes, but I just think it's not practical. I would love that. I feel it's like not, if you look at a lot right. of the quarterbacks this year, or a lot of good quarterbacks have sat. Uh, it's actually strange. I know a lot of people will point to Mahomes and even like Jordan Love and even Aaron Rodgers back in the day. I don't know if the NFL is there right now. Like CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, there was never a situation they would have been benched. Even though I think Bryce Young behind Andy Dalton may have not been the worst thing for that team. But I would the like the it. Panthers offensive line played, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, I just, I would, I would like to see Caleb Williams do that. But with all this, I don't know if this, all this drama and diva stuff is real with him. So I don't know if he would handle it. Okay, so I have some thoughts on what you said prior regarding Justin Fields and having ruined them very early, and like Caleb only having one season, and you're you not knowing if the team is ready for that. And I think like the team that Justin Fields and Mitch Trubisky, not. Not Mitch Trubisky as much, but Justin Fields entered. It's very different from the Spurs roster. I mean, right now you're looking at an all-pro wide receiver, a very, I'm not going to say very good, but a good tight end, a little defense, basically, little defense uh, that showed off basically like, what, for the second half of the, the whole season? They were playing very good, and they were leading the league at takeaways at a point, like, when you consider just, like, the last, I think it was, like, five, six games. They were averaging around two turnovers per game. So I think the team currently in place, you have an average O-line that can be improved, of course. I think that the team in place is good enough for a guy like Caleb Williams that is thought as as generational and i i don't really love to throw that word around that much because it seems like a generational guy is coming in every other year right now but for most people he is a very good to great prospect and i think if a guy like that gets introduced here that allows you to have freedom to spend money elsewhere, money that you would have to spend on Justin Fields if you do keep him because if you do keep him next year you have to pay him so, like, if he shows you some type of improvement, say, like, a Danny Dimes situation with the Giants, like, last season, the year prior, I guess, uh, where he wasn't really having that great of a season in, in New York, then he showed off for a season, and he got an extension that is right around, what, $40 million a year? 
I mean, that's what you're looking at with Justin Fields. If he just shows you something, and this is a team that has that has been so desperate for QB play to be at least above average, that anything that resembles that, the fans will be clamoring. I mean, Justin Fields has not been good as a QB in the league. I mean, he does not even have like over 3,000 yards passing in any season. He does not have 20 touchdowns passing in any season right now. And his stats are all just very mediocre for like anything passing related. So yeah, he's good at rushing. He's terrible at passing the football and fans are still getting behind him. So this shows you like the, de- the, the level of desperation that Bears fans have towards a QB. So I wouldn't risk... I wouldn't. He's not risk. wrong either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, He's not because wrong. I see this like this Justin Fields debate has been going on for like three years. I was never pro Justin Fields. I have guys in me and Angelo's leagues that are very pro Justin Fields. So I've been I've been having to deal with this for quite a while, and I've been reading up on like Bears Reddit and Bears Twitter and all of that. And it's like. People really think that he's a good QB and are clamoring for him to stay and not necessarily for reasons like you said, for example, to improve the team and all that. No, because they really think he's a good QB and he's just been dealing with a a rough hand. And I'm not necessarily sure if that's correct, nor if I would take the chance on passing on a guy that is thought as as a great prospect. When you have the 101 pick, having back-to-back seasons with 101 picks is very, very rare. So I wouldn't bank on that because next season you might get stuck with either a Justin Fields who did not produce whatsoever and you're stuck with a pick outside of the top three, which can very clearly happen because although Justin Fields is not a good QB, he's a QB that can get you a few wins due to his rushing numbers. And I think he can keep you out of the top five, top six slots and have you finish as like a perpetual, I don't know, eight to ten slot in the draft, for example. He got them wait, to seven wait, wait. wins. Is it really that egregious to think he can get them two more wins to yes, get them into is. the playoffs? It is two wins. The defense was getting two turnovers a game to end the season. He won games in which the team didn't score a touchdown. It's like, what are we doing? Some of these wins, like they could have gotten them with Tyson Badgett, for example. So yeah, I think. If you have the, if you are in the position, and gladly the Bears organization seem to think this way, from what I've read so far, uh, I believe the reports were from the Senior Bowl that close, uh, sources close to Ryan Poles have shown that they would be shocked if the Bears move the first overall pick. So, I think the Bears are thinking about this correctly. I think they should draft the guy who started as a good prospect, good prospect, because at the end of the day, what's the worst that can happen? You stay with a guy that is like right around Justin Fields level and you don't have to pay him. You have more time to evaluate if he's good or not. And you move off Fields for, I don't know, like a third round pick. You still have another top 10 pick that you can use to like put a good, good player around Caleb Williams. You still have plenty of dra- of salary cap to use on guys to put around Caleb Williams. And you will have more picks still because you got picks from Justin Fields. You have more picks on the draft to put guys ahead uh, around Caleb Williams and improve this team rightfully so. I guess the question is, what's the fallout <clears throat> if they do stay with Fields, they add these rookies, uh, like just rookie uh, top 10 picks on the contract, Fields, let's just say, does it again, right? Five to seven wins, miss the playoffs. 
I feel like the only now I could be wrong here with what I'm saying. The only the worst case scenario is we just didn't get a pick for Fields, right? We don't pay him because he's bad then, and we just we start we just find another quarterback next year. That's then you're not at the one hundred one. True. Yes. If if that happens again, Ibrahulus will not be in the building. So you have someone who wants to retain his job. Not his pulse, to be honest. If pulse skips on Caleb Williams after all the hype that he got, and Caleb Williams is good, Pulse is out of there. Like I'm not sure what Justin Fields can do to keep Pulse's job outside of being amazing. Like we if he's average again, Pulse's guy. Yeah, and and that's the point that I have in another show that we talked about Fields. It's like, do we really think that Pulse and Heber Flues? will want to go down with the boat with Justin Fields because Justin Fields is not their guy. So they got they gave him a year under their regime, under Eberflus and Paul's regime. Do we really think that they are like, okay, this is we are very, very close to being both fired. If this goes south this year, we're out of here. Do we really want to put our chips in the guy that we didn't draft? This feels a lot like the draft day movie. And it's like the guy has the team um, that his father built and his father was the head coach and he kicked his father out of the team the year prior and then he's on a very short leash and it's like, okay, if I'm going down, I'm going down with the team that I built because this is what I want to do and this is the team that I want to build. And I think that this should be the mentality of the Bears and Ryan Poles. It's like, if I go down, I go down with my guys, not with the guys that my my predecessor drift. Do you think getting Caleb Williams would buy them two more years? Or do you think they have one year with Caleb Williams? Because when Nagy drafted Fields, uh, pick, I think, 14 or 15, they got fired after one year with Fields. And I feel like I am more, I have more PTSD from that situation happening, which makes me want to keep Fields. I, I'm at the point where my heart says they draft Caleb Williams, which is kind of crazy. The heart says to draft Caleb Williams, but the mind says keep Fields. I think... It depends on the outcomes of Caleb Williams. Like, if we're saying that Caleb Williams looks, I don't know, as bad as Bryce Young looked, for example, last year, then I think both are in risk of losing your jobs. Although I think Poles has a bigger grip on the job than Eberflus. So I wouldn't put it past the Bears' ownership to keep Poles and move off of Eberflus. If Caleb Williams is, like, average, I think both get another year. So That's fair. You don't know who Austin is, Forensic, but Alex does. Austin said he believes Caleb Williams does not get his fifth-year option extended. That's kind of a prelude to one of Austin's hotter takes when he comes on the show. That Caleb Williams? Caleb Williams will not have his fifth-year option renewed. So he's saying that Caleb is going to bust. Oh, that's like a very future take. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's like five years from now. I mean, so I watch college football very, uh, very. I don't know what the word is, just very singularly on Alabama football, oh, and then oh, okay. yeah. Well, I watch. I'm an Alabama fan, heavy Alabama fan. Obviously, Nick Saban shit is very, very sad. But um, I watch Alabama a lot. I keep tabs on all the SEC teams, and then like the major teams. Right, the only game I watched of Caleb Williams, like seventy to eighty percent of it, the entire thing was the Notre Dame game. So my view on Caleb Williams is a lot more skewed than other people. While other people are sending me Arizona State highlights, I saw him throw three interceptions on primetime uh, in Notre so, Dame. Alex, you liked Zach Wilson. Is Caleb Williams' 
struggles against competitive college teams giving you kind of some concern that he might be similar to Zach Wilson in that aspect? Okay, so... <laughs> Thank you for the shout on Zach Wilson. was really yeah. necessary here, I thought. Uh, Absolutely sure. necessary. Hey, I the most necessary. I left it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you should like... That's what you should do when we're talking about QBs and how good I am at evaluating these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, like I usually say in this show, I don't necessarily watch a whole lot of college football, and we'll get into that in a bit. Um, so I haven't necessarily watched a whole lot of Caleb Williams. I've read a lot on Caleb Williams, and from what I understand, it's a mix there. Like he struggled in the Northern Notre Dame game for Northern Notre Dame game. God damn it. Um and he struggled in a few other big games. But apparently it's like the offense isn't probably the most suited for a guy like him. And the lack of weapons has been mentioned quite a bit, and the lack of defensive help mentioned is mentioned quite a bit. Like the team has a very shitty defense. So he is involved in shootout a lot, which obviously augmentates the the level of risks that he needs to take to to stay in games. So I've read that it's probably not all of on M, and it's 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 tough because then you look at guys, for example, like Cam Newton when he was back in the the national uh, in the college Auburn. football league, in yeah, in Auburn. He dragged a team that was very, like, not great to a title game, if I'm not mistaken, and won it. So it's like, if you are that guy, then you should probably do it. And it's not a whole lot of times that you see a guy like Caleb Williams who started out out as, like, this great QB, and he's stuck on a team that doesn't really achieve anything. And, like, if you look at the guys that were touted as... Uh, generationally, you're talking about guys like Andrew Luck, who I believe with Stanford won, won the, the championship game. Correct me if I'm wrong, because this is all from my head. Uh, and Trevor Lawrence, who also won the, the title with Clemson. So it's like, it's guys that not only were touted as generational, but they actually did the damn thing. And Caleb is just like being talked about as such, not done the damn thing. So that obviously scares me a bit. But I think if he goes to a team and this is interesting because last year we were like or just like at the start of the season I was critical of Stroud because it's like how will this guy adapt from having a team full of ballers? Like ballers at every single position especially at wide receiver where it's basically it's like it's pitch and catch and he's just making the easy reads. How is he going to adapt going from that to the Houston Texans who have nothing? And here it's a bit like it's the inverse. It's like it might be one of those situations in which the 101 actually goes to a team that is at least equal, if not better, than the team that he had in college. So I think he will be all right, and I think he will pan out. But, of course, I need to watch him more from him first because, I mean, people have opinions, and... Those can change and they are biased and all of that. I need to see it, see it with my own eyes. Doesn't mean that I'll get it right or wrong because I thought Zach Wilson, as you said, would be very good from my own eyes. And my eyes deceived me on that, except for, for the game versus the Chiefs. 
But yeah, right now, I think you will be okay. So, no, he went 11-2 and two in his last season, and he made it to the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State. That yeah, was so that, although that's like, that's okay, that's not necessarily what you expect from a guy like him, right? But anyway, so I kind of, as far as my process goes, I try to be a little bit quarterback agnostic because I think quarterback is the hardest position to evaluate. But you, at the end of the day, when you are analyzing a prospect that you want to draft, whether it be in the NFL or in a rookie draft, seeing solid performances against good teams is something you want to see. It's like one of my biggest things, too. Like I, I always say, like whenever a player balls out against Alabama, I'm always looking forward to them in the draft and how they pan out in the NFL. Just like watching Trevor Lawrence do it to us in the championship game. Even how well um, Kyler Murray played in that semifinals game uh, before the, the the natty. It was like they they both played so well. And I feel like um, you can kind of see it translate over the NFL just a little bit. I know there's just two very small examples, but yeah. I always think like playing against better teams is like a big deal. Yeah, I'm sure you have examples like Johnny Menzel who didn't pan out, but. At the end of uh, yeah. the day, good performances against good teams is a trackable thing. And in fact, when you look at prospects at different positions from an analytical standpoint, it's something that matters a lot. Right, Alex? Okay, yes. But are we getting too carried away by like a couple of games? Because I'm asking this yeah, from probably. a guy who hasn't watched like the whole amount of games that he played versus good teams. But the the game that gets thrown a lot... Is this one? It's versus Notre Dame, Notre, Notre Dame yeah. yeah. And like I've been looking at like him versus other top twenty-five opponents, and like his stats are are not bad. They are pretty good, actually. They are actually better than any other QB in this class versus really? top twenty-five opponents. Yeah. So his stats versus top twenty-five opponents. He has three hundred fourteen completions on four four hundred and eighty-eight attempts. So that's a sixty-four point thirty-four completion percentage. He has four thousand yards passing, thirty-one touchdowns, eight interceptions, and an NCAA rating of one fifty-one point four. The second best best is Jaden Daniels. He has a slightly higher completion percentage at sixty-four point seventy-eight percent. Uh. Roughly like 500 yards passing less. Uh, same amount of interceptions basically as one less. And eight less touchdowns. Like J.J. So, McCarthy has very bad stats. Drake May has very bad stats. And the guy that is, I guess you can fair. say it's a bit closer to him. It's Bo Nix. But I, I don't think that Bo Nix is really in the conversation. Plus, if I'm not mistaken, he is a senior, right? So I just did a quick search and... Oh! <laughs> and I lost it. And right. this is what it states. It says, prior to Saturday's loss to Utah, Caleb Williams against non-top 25 defenses, he averaged a 70% completion percentage, 317 yards per game, 78 touchdowns, and 7 picks. This is against non-top 25 defenses. Against the tw top 25 defenses in 5 games, he has a 51.4% completion percentage, 172 yards a game, six touchdowns and six picks. That is a drastic, drastically I'm, 
guessing that's the season, right? And this is like in his old college career. That might be. Yeah, I think that's this is October it. October twenty first. It's it's interesting that the comparison that I see a lot. It's the one that you mentioned. Like, okay, his stats drop quite a bit from like non top twenty five to top twenty five, and it's like okay, but that's probably right for every other QB in this class. Like, of course, so if I you're guess... facing better competition, you have worse stats, and that's if that's true. right for everyone, it's sort of that's... a mute point. That's true, but at the same time, everyone else isn't touted as a generational quarterback. When you have that label attached to you, you expect greatness regardless. Is that not true? Yeah, but then it's like, okay, so do you draft no one? Well, maybe. Because, like, then I'm hearing, okay, then Drake May should be the 101. And, okay, I'm looking at Drake May's stats versus top 25 uh, NCAA defenses. Or teams, and it's like they are very okay. They're not great, so it's like it feels like it. It feels like what what uh, what happened when it was Trevor Lawrence, uh, where it's like okay, this guy is generational. This guy is generational. This guy is generational. Comes draft time, there are some questions regarding this guy. Can he do this? Can he do that? And all of that, and it's like. I think it's with all due respect. It, no, that didn't. That didn't happen. Trevor Lawrence lost like two college football games. Period, and they were both national championships. He never lost in the regular season. Yes, I, and I don't. Still, people were finding ways ooh, to pigeonhole. Oh, there was know, never. I have never seen someone expressed out that Trevor Lawrence was the first overall pick in that draft. Chris Sims, for example. Well, there's your first mistake. <laughs> I mean, but the, I'm saying that there were people out there that were doing that. I'm not saying that it's like it's correct, but I'm saying that it happens. And okay. it, I think it's happening here with Caleb as well. Like, people are just pigeonholing him. I don't, I don't know. I, wa- I want to see. You are not a big mean. Caleb Williams fan. Me, no. Not not really. Okay. You're on the Drake May camp? I don't know. I can't do like I said, let, let me watch the throw first. Let me watch these guys throw first. What's the, just, what was that? Sorry. I just I just like when people bring up Drake May, he may be the best. He may be a top five quarterback. I cannot do another North Carolina quarterback again though. Like after Trubisky, ah! I'm scarred. When people oh. talk about Drake May with forensic, it's like he starts having flashbacks. I, yeah, you just—I just start seeing flashbacks. I start shaking a little bit. I start getting sweaty. <laughs> it's just we can't do that again. Like at least, at least Caleb Williams with the USC—it's kind of fresh out there. Like whatever. I'll, I, even though I've talked mad shit on the Pac-12 and just how I think they their teams are just not good at all. Um, I'm still down to ride with Caleb Williams over Drake May. If if we had to go there. Like I wouldn't even be upset if we take him, right? I won't sit there going, "Oh my god, I can't believe it." There's a there like from a fan, from the the fanatic part of me does think like that's exciting. We have another quarterback. Like every every practice is now scrutinized. Every preseason game is like a new little like fun thing we can do. If we stick with Justin Fields, it's not as exciting, but I think I, I still think it's the move, but not not on the basis that it's a, he's a good quarterback. Or more on the basis that I think it just helps the roster out more, and I don't know, just ma- makes the entire team a little bit better. And then have the have the idea of getting a, a quarterback if 
he's garbage next year. But I'm running out of excuses for him. I'll say that much. It's so, nice for me to at least hear that. Yeah, no, I just defeated. <laughs> this is why Alex brought this man on. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the fact that he was a Bears fan helped. Because I remember back in like preseason, I was having my uh, just my regular Bears takes there and it came to a point where like forensic just thought i was a bears hater and like no not really like if you knew me prior to like the justin fields thing i was very like okay it's it's the bears i didn't really have any sort of sentiment regarding them my issue comes with the whole fields thing and that's what really triggers me and like pushing against him you just have an unnatural. I, I'm not gonna lie. When like I was in a chat with Alex when the Fields pick came in, and the first thing I said was "Rip Justin Fields' career." <laughs> yeah, I'm not even gonna lie. When when that pick came in, I had one of my friends text me immediately. He's like, right away, all he asked me was, "Would you have rather had Mac Jones?" And I just said to him, "No." And this was me being the biggest mac jones guy obviously as an alabama fan had one of the best seasons ever won the whole thing um so i was still like no i like the idea of having dynamic quarterback we just kind of went through i wouldn't call trubisky a statue by any means but i was just like justin fields feels like he can like he can go if he wants to um and i've seen the deep ball with ohio state like that national championship wasn't really his fault they just had i mean they were putting a linebacker on Devontae smith so that game was just crazy um but i thought justin fields was uh definitely like a fun pick for us so I think now that like Caleb Williams is on the clock here for us, I just keep thinking back to that and going, I was so excited to get Fields. Is the next guy, is the grass always greener on the other side, basically, is what I'm thinking for sure. Like, is it for sure going to be better? And that's where I come to a crossroads of like, I just, I don't think so. No, I'm not, I'm, I just, I'm not for sure. I think as far as throwing the football, it kind of has to be. Yeah, it's like, it can't be darker than this. It's like, the grass is all dead in this side. It's like, you can't really get worse than this. I, but I, I swear. I, if I was a Bears fan, I think the debate I would be having is, do I think we can run effectively basically like an Eagles offense or a Ravens offense? Or would I want to, and, and can Eberflus even coach that properly? Or would I want to see a more pass-centric quarterback? I'm not yeah. saying Caleb Williams can't run. I'm just saying... It, he wouldn't have as many design runs as Justin Fields. If I have to sit here next year and listen to anybody say that Caleb Williams can't read an NFL defense, I may stop watching football because this will be the most ridiculous thing then. Because I feel like that was a big thing with Fields, right? He can't read a defense. Yeah. He can't read a defense. That was Alex. But I was but my thing is like, how is this not evaluated in the in the drafting process? How is it not evaluated in this in the skill stuff they do or the IQ stuff they do? So when I hear that, I'm like, okay. So I'm telling people now, like, are we for sure Caleb Williams is reading defenses in college and it's going to translate to the NFL? Because that that means more to me than like the arm strength, the other stuff. Yo, NFL teams, if you're listening, I said that Justin Fields can't read defense. So if you need anyone for the staff. <laughs> Oh my! You God. can you can just so, drop me a DM. I, I kind of want to branch this off into a different conversation because Colin Coward had a segment that I was actually intrigued by, and he showed pictures of like NFL quarterbacks shirtless. And I'm not going to lie, most of them have dad bods. And he used this as an argument to state that yeah, I would rather my quarterback not be spending as much time in the gym and more time like researching plays. I believe that 
Travis Kelsey said something along the lines of you have to have a little bit of nerd in your quarterback for him to be great. Do you I take just, any kind of stock in this? I just want to point <laughs> out. Dad bots translate to success. <laughs> I used to listen to a whole lot of Colin Coward when I was back in college. And I just want to say that this is the guy that's also said things like, okay, when you have a QB, you can say if he's good or not by his name. It's like, it just sounds like a star QB name. So I just want to put the little salt into his whole, like, analyzing things. Because sometimes this and the analogies, it just goes crazy. But give me your thoughts, Forensic. Do you want a fat QB? The only thing, the only thing that was interesting about the dad bod thing with the whole Mahomes picture, it is interesting, right? You do protect the ribs a little bit more when you got a little pudge down there. So I, I, I may not be fully out on having, you know, a, a huskier QB, so to speak, um, and not like I think Justin feels like very skinny, right? Like when he gets hit, I'm always like scared every time he gets hit. But then you watch someone like Herbert take a shot to the shoulder, and I feel like he's fine. Um, I, I think I. Well, I don't think I'm. I'm more on give me a defense. I want to read the defense, the body, whatever. But I agree with the fact that I need my QB to have a little bit nerd in him. He has to love the game on an unhinged level. Yeah, loving the game. I'm not sure if this guy really loves the game. But if you just want a chubby guy, I think Jamarcus Russell <laughs> is okay to hire right now. He'll have a few Twinkies around his waist, and he can just randomly grab one and eat it but i'm not sure if like loving the game is his main trait though so here's a question alex then yes i have a question for you because because obviously dad bods and little bit of nerd is a little bit of, of absurd talk so give it to me i forensic has obviously never been in dynasty so he's never experienced this phenomenon what is the stupidest fucking thing that you read during evaluation of a prospect that made you not select said prospect. Um, stupidest thing. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you read it, and in hindsight, it was absolutely ridiculous that you based any kind of analysis based on this, but you did it at the time. I'm trying to think on Q, uh, I'm trying to think on QBs that I've skipped draft. It doesn't have to be a QB. Really it can be a wide like. receiver. It can be a running back. Oh, okay, just players in general. Because because you got me, you got me. I mine's Devonte Smith. My biggest L was Devonte Smith and the whole weight thing. Yeah, being yeah, like yeah, he's too. <laughs> Someone lives in Philly. Like that, that whole thing was crazy. When he got drafted, people wanted Bijan so badly, and they were like, "Look at him!" And then that first picture when he shows up to practice, and you see his legs, and it's like, "Oh, he's not going to last." And now look at him. Yep, absolutely. Ridiculous. Alice defended that he would be the slim reaper that he was back in Alabama. <laughs> I like them. I like them a whole lot. I'm trying to think on guys that I might have skipped because I was swayed away from them via Reddit opinions and i'm not really finding anything right now uh yeah i'm i'm reaching you really a... don't remember any of the most ridiculous things ever yeah like the I last drafted one Mahomes because he had a fucking cannon i mean <laughs> yeah, that was I mean, that that's... was the only basis that was the only thing i had he has a cannon that was the only thing i had and i drafted Mahomes. Well, I drafted Anthony Richardson because I necessarily I just 
thought that like the unknown of him would be better than the the known that was Will Levis. Plus, Will Levis likes mayo in his coffee, so he's like a, a complete deranged. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. he's I like the I worst type of person around. And I just thought that, like, the unknown and people were like, yeah, but Anthony Richardson has, like, what, one year starting as a QB? And, yeah, in that one year, he probably has as many highlights as Will Levis had in, two, in, 20, in his last season as a, as a college football player. So I'm going with Anthony Richardson. There you go. I got this was all prior to like the draft and all of that. And the I didn't draft so DK Metcalf because I thought he wasn't agile enough to get open. Go ahead. Jesus Christ. <laughs> to be fair, I doubted DK, but it's like it's not really anything like physical, like regarding his testing related. It's nothing like that. It was just because I, I didn't thought that he was like the big the best route runner, and that's usually a big thing for me and wide receivers. It's like I like my guys to run routes. So that's why I don't like guys, for example, like Quinton Johnston. Fuck you, man. And Jalen Rager. Fuck you, man. So, yeah. Route I drafted Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson because I like Jalen Rager's route running. Go out. Go ahead. Get, like, get out. You really don't have get anything. out, Angelo. You don't have anything embarrassing to say. I refuse to admit that you've gone well, seven years and you haven't done what some of the stupidest well, fucking shit that you could think and you can't think of any of it. Here's one. Here's one that I did that was really stupid. And to this day, I still blame you. And it was not Reddit or anything like that. Let's but back in the Justin, uh, no, not Justin. What's up? Uh, back in the John Ross draft. Remember John Ross? Oh, yeah, like that, that great speeder, that great speedster. I was sitting at 106 in our dynasty draft, and I'm like, I really like this Camaro guy, and I really like this Kareem Hunt guy. And you were like, yeah, but John Ross is really fast, and he's going to be good. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, you are swaying me here. And I drafted John Ross. Thank you, Angelo. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. That was just great. Could have had like a running back one for like five seasons, but no, I got Sean Ross. You're welcome, buddy. Anytime. So, <sighs> so you 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 have you you're hearing these stories, forensic. So why don't you do Dynasty if you like uh, redraft? I actually did just start Dynasty two years ago. We're in our third Ooh. year. I've won back-to-back years. Um, it's a 12-man league. doesn't know anything about that. <laughs> I, got, <clears throat> I got pretty lucky, though. My first four picks in the inaugural Alex draft. also doesn't know anything about that either. Go on, sorry. <laughs> I, uh, I went, so I, had the, I think I had the fourth or fifth overall pick, so I was kind of bummed out. I was like, I'm not going to get Jefferson or Chase or anyone good. So, But somehow I got CMC when he was with the Panthers still. So I went CMC, Saquon, ETN, St. Brown. Those are my first four picks. And then from there, I mean, I just, I did work. I like, I like moved. I think I drafted Rashad Bateman and Jamison Williams. I ended up flipping them in some picks for digs. Um, and then my team just this last year, I think I ended up with uh, Trevor Lawrence as my quarterback. And then like CMC, Saquon, ETN. And then um, my receivers were St. Brown, Zay Flowers, uh, Puka, who I drafted because some serious podcast guy told me to pick up Puka right before the season started. So I got him. And then 
back to back dynasty champion. I'm not gonna lie, it feels amazing because you just feel like a real GM when it's a dynasty. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I think so as well. So, so you won a championship with this roster. Would you like me to tell you the roster that I was in the Marvin Harrison Jr. sweepstakes with? Yes. My quarterback was Joe Burrow. My yes. backup was Aaron Rodgers. Mm. My running backs were Tony Pollard, Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet, Antonio Gibson. This one, this one hurt me the most. My wide receivers were Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Chris Olave, Key Higgins, and Jackson Smith and Jigma. Wait, you said you were in the Marvin Harrison Jr. sweepstakes with this roster? Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I can see it because of the injuries, but still, damn. Yes. Dream Reaper my, out here. Seriously. My, my tight ends were David and Joku and Mark Andrews what? and Trey McBride. I was and so Trey sad. McBride? So what do you and do with Trey that? McBride? Yeah, I lost. I lost. I went 4-10 <laughs> with this roster. Were there manager issues of, like, starting the wrong guys ever? No. Because, yeah, it doesn't Never. seem like the depth is like... I mean, you have a good depth with the with the running backs. But I feel like all your receivers are able to start for the most part with the, with the injuries that you had. Did you have Chase and Higgins uh, from the beginning, or did you make a trade? Yes. Or... Wow. <laughs> that's that's Here's tough. the crazy part. Tough. The only reason I have Justin Jefferson is because I had Tyreek Hill before, and I traded Tyreek Hill when I started losing for Justin Jefferson. Oh my god! Dream fucking <laughs> reaper! That I lost. That is crazy. Here, here's the game that broke me. I lost a game where I scored 150 fantasy points, and I just couldn't recover after that. I, I just couldn't. There's no, there's no recovering after that. Are you slotted for the one one then? Or yes. Oh no, wow! Here's so what you, happened. So you, hmm. Here's what happened. I lost the most amount of games. They do a playoff bracket where they decide the winner of the 101 based on who loses, like, three playoff games in a row, and I only lost two of the three. I lost in the last round. So you have to oh, lose no, all three? You have to lose all three, and I won the last game, which means I lost out on the, on the number one pick. Oh, my God. I was so, 102, I was, baby. 102. Who are you eyeing up at 102, then? Gabbers. It's not it's not quarterback premium so, or super flex so nabbers for sure. I like that. I saw something on Twitter today that that discussed like him being better than Marvin Harrison Jr. just based on um, some metrics. I want to see them test, but I think the people who say that nabbers is a better quality prospect mm-hmm. than Marvin Harrison Jr. is are smoking something. <laughs> That's what all the replies said. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, we want whatever you're smoking, dude." But because I think the biggest argument for Marvin Harrison Jr. was that he had um, like a trash can throwing to him. And Nabbers had, I mean, the Heisman. So, Alex, what's the best roster that you ever lost a lot with? Jesus Christ. Do we really need to do this today? <laughs> yes. Yes. I was today just a week. Okay, there are going to be guys in Hawaii throwing with tank tops on, 
and doing skills. Did you watch the Jalen Hurts skills game, by the way? Fuck that, dude. I saw highlights, but the only thing I saw was the tic-tac-toe with the kickers. (laughs) Highlights? I don't think he made a completion in the the quarterback accuracy, one of the quarterback accuracy drills. It was great. Yeah, I saw he was, like, missing, like, the little one-pointers in front of him. Yeah, he missed two in a row, and then he said, fuck it, I'm going for the ten-pointers, and then he missed that. (laughs) Feels like Jalen Hurts, huh? Uh, I'm looking at rosters. Go ahead, yeah. That I've had, and it's like, I'm not sure which one you want me to give you, because there's, like, just... Like, this year I lost... Is there... Do you what's what's your counter to my Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase competing for Marvin Harrison Jr.? What's that equivalent? Uh, so counter to that would be back in. Let me check something here. Okay, yeah. So you remember back in 2021, right? Cooper yeah. Cup had uh 439.5 PPR points. He was the wide receiver one by like a pretty big margin. So that in that year. Yes, exactly. So in that year, I had Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. I had Russell Wilson back when he was with the Seahawks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, in 21, uh, he was a top 16 QB. So I had Russell Wilson. I had DeAndre Swift back in when he was with the Lions, so he was sort of good. I had uh, what else? I think I had someone hurt. Uh, second running back was probably James Conner back in 2021. I think he was good that year. And then we're looking at George Kittle. We're looking at Terry McLaurin. We're looking at Kyle Pitts. So he had all of that. And we went to what? Where did I lose? Because I always lose. It's just like, it's what we're doing here. Oh. There's no winning. And I lost in week... Oh, I lost in the first round of the playoffs. So wait a minute. See, see, this is what I mean, forensic. This is what I mean by this. This guy is a lot more. Pre- His counter to to me competing for the one hundred and one is losing in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> that, 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 that... I make the playoffs usually. I just don't win in the playoffs. That's the big issue here. Do you know how many people would just kill to be in the playoffs every year? Not many. I, not you can many? Swap with me. This is not the NFL. Like my team isn't winning anything from just being like seven and seven and reaching the playoffs. I want to win a title. That's the name of the game. Right, but if you don't make the playoffs, you're not like in the conversation to to win that title. Yeah, I know. At least sure. you're in the conversation. Yeah, but it's just like, what do you want me to tell you, dude? I just know that I never will win one in our main league. So, except the thirty-two team league, I won that one already. He's like, I don't know. I'll never win, even though I'm a top like three seed every year. Yeah, it's never happened. So far, it never it has happened. been true, huh? It never happens. Okay. Just because you have generational bad luck does not mean that you are in a, you are in a bad position. At least my kids won't have any bad luck. I've drained all of that. 
But before we move off, since now we're talking about prospects and all of this, I think this topic would be interesting to talk about. Because Uh-huh. you mentioned before that you are really into, like, uh, college football. And me and Angelo, we said, like, a few shows ago that I, we think that college football is, like, really bad. We think that the product on the field is not good. I don't watch a whole lot of it, but when I do, I usually watch the big games. Like, the last two championship games, I'm watching a team that is very good on one end, and I'm watching Carl Salesman on the other end. It's like people people just talk so much about like college football. Is it just more like the unity in it, like the companionship? I don't get the people who say college football is a better watch than the NFL. Yeah, I really I don't. just cannot understand because like the level of competition and the level of the players, it just seems so mediocre. Like you have a few good guys in that team, and I guess it shows when like you have, I don't know, like Alabama has been the best team for quite a while before this last season. And, like, in their prime, they had, I don't know, like, at tops, they had, like, 10 guys drafted. That means, like, what? Of course, not not every single one is draft eligible. But it's, like, 40 of those guys just go do, what, laundries? Like, what is the appeal of college football for you? Um, it's a great question, actually. The way I've been comparing it recently uh, is like the entire landscape of college football is kind of like the entire landscape of European soccer in the sense of like you have the SEC, which can you know, be comped to like the Prem, and then you have the ACC, and you can compare it to like another top five league. And each of these separate conferences have their own traditions, have their own rivalries, right? And I'm sure you guys already know this, but like those games within the sec or within the acc or big 10 are crazy so for example when ohio state goes to play like uh michigan one of the biggest games of the year it's intense it's crazy there's traditions or they have the bands going and everything so the atmosphere is already i think way above the nfl but if you're just going off of like let's say this national championship of michigan versus washington the only way i could compare that is like in Champions League, for example, when you have Inter, when you have Inter, uh, Inter playing Man City, that final for a neutral, uh, for a neutral fan, probably wasn't that great, right? One zero win, pretty boring all around. So I think the way the college football works is if you have your own team, you you have this like vibe of like there's all these different traditions going on. But for me personally, like I don't like watching the Pac-12 mainly because it's on late at night. But overall, I don't see, I don't know how the traditions work over there. But I feel like from your perspective, as someone who's only like evaluating players and trying just to get the best possible football on the field, I, it's hard to sell it to you. I'll give you that. It is hard to sell it to you if you don't care about anything, any of the other layers other than just the actual, um, like uh, the actual play on the field, for example. Okay, so that makes sense. So it's much more of a, like, college rivalries, college traditions. It's much more like the culture of the game than the game Yes. itself, I guess. Yeah, it would So... be like why like League One English fans watch League One Okay. because it is just a it is just a full like that's what like the like the uh the CUSA conference is right like they're there watching it to watch it. Okay, okay. And that I understand. So, what makes... What makes a Cowboys-Eagles game worse than a Ohio State-Michigan game to you? So for me, I kind of put them together. I get really excited for both. I can't even lie to Okay, you. But that's fair. I, I do think that the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry, 
I see. I can't. The, you 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 gave a really good one. That one, and obviously Bears Packers. There's a lot of hate, and the Michigan Ohio State one just has so much hate. You can literally oh, yeah. feel the tension oozing from the game as you watch it. The I'm crowd from Ohio. Is, oh yeah. I had okay. a manager who was from Michigan. He said, "I don't care if we lose every game. We have to win that game versus OSU." Dude, that is exa- yes, exactly. And I actually don't think Eagles fans would say that. I don't think Eagles fans would trade a uh, a fifteen and two season if two of the losses were the Cowboys to not go, you know, fifteen and two. Yeah. So I, I don't fair. disagree with your guys' point though on the product. Like, if you're watching, for example, like um, I just just because I already thought of it, USC Arizona State. Like that may not be the best game. That game's probably over by halftime, realistically. I remember when I watched TCU Georgia, and I'm like, "Oh no! How the fuck did this guy get here? How the heck did Max Duggan, out of <laughs> all guys, just randomly popped up in a championship game?" Because the games that I watched were basically like this past one that was Michigan. Oh, I can't even remember the other team. It was Michigan something? Which uh, what team was it? Forensic Washington. Washington, yeah, exactly. Michael Phoenix, which is another one. Like, how does this guy even don't play here? Like, he's terrible. Max Duggan, which much, was much of the same. But the other ones that I watched, I watched, for example, the the year in which Devonta Smith was very good for Alabama. It was the Mac Jones year, I believe. And yep. I watched that championship game. I watched the LSU Tigers versus Clemson. Was that it? Yeah, I think. That was the year before, you, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That one was was very good, and I'm like, okay, there's players here that are actually good. You got but like Burrow this versus Trevor Lawrence, yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that was one. That one was very good. But like, I'm sitting here the past two championship games, and I'm just like, okay, so one team is like a juggernaut and has a shit QB. The other team is like, shit. Like everyone here is like they are. Maybe it's just the level of competition, and Georgia was just so much better than TCU in that game that it just just looked like TCU was a bunch of nobodies, but TCU really looked like a bunch of nobodies, and like, I don't know, how am I supposed to get hyped for that game as a neutral? Because as a neutral, I get hyped for every single NFL game, for example. I watched every single one of those games, even the shittier ones, I watched those. Yeah, I struggle. Sometimes I really want to catch up on NCAA, and the product, man, I think they need to change something there, but I'm not quite sure what, because there's so many teams and the talent. There's only so few players that can play in the NFL and have talent to play in the NFL. So I think it's hard for the teams to get to a level of talent in which the product would be watchable to a neutral guy yeah. and someone coming from abroad. So I don't necessarily think that they care, but as a neutral, I just can't take this game serious. It's like... So, as a college fan, I have two questions for you. I want to I want to gauge your temperature on this. Um, best college football team of all time. Where do you stand on Miami versus or like the two thousand Miami versus the twenty nineteen LSU team? Um. Well, I've actually gone on this big tirade about the twenty twenty Alabama team being better than the twenty nineteen <laughs> LSU team. Oh no! I've gone on a massive, massive tirade oh. on Mac Jones having a better college year than Joe Burrow oh, in twenty nineteen. There's no. this one. There's one graphic that I need to reference for it, though. I won't get too crazy about it, but <clears throat> I would say the twenty nineteen LSU team probably better than the twenty than the two thousand Miami team. That twenty nineteen LSU team was crazy. I think the amount of top was it top ten teams they beat. 
that was like their big, big, big thing. And then they beat the, I mean, Joe Burrow goes on to beat the one, one overall in Trevor Lawrence. And what do you think would happen if the best, so to, let's say 2019 LSU or 2020 Alabama, I don't care which one you want to use. What do you think would happen if one of those teams faced the worst NFL team in a given year? They lose by 40. Like, you think yes, they still lose by 40? They lose by at, at least 40. I think it's a, a full-blown men amongst kids. If Even you look, if it's an I, 0 and 16 team. Yeah, I just they're they're like grown men. Like it, like I don't know how to explain it, but it's just like when you look at the trenches of an NFL team and look at the trenches of some college teams, like yes, LSU had guys. LSU's 2019 team, like for example, like Clyde Edwards Clyde Edwards Alaire, like what happened to him? Like just nothing. And he was uh, a first round pick. I think the Chiefs got him in the very last pick of the draft. And he just didn't pan out that well. I'm not trying to use him as like the full blown example, but just like not every single player from the LSU team is good, but all those Owen 16 players were drafted, were evaluated. They get paid NFL dollars to be there. I think it'd be just a full out. I don't, I don't know how close the score would be, but I'd put my money on whatever spread you gave the NFL team. Cause I don't think the books could even understand it. Yes, that's exactly my point. And like Angela was very adamant that they could make it at least the close game. And I'm like, the thing is, and the problem with all of this like talk when we talk about like the best college team versus like, I don't know, the, the Browns from a few years ago or the 0-16 Lions. It's like this LSU team that was great and it started out as one of the best teams ever in college football. At 14 plays drafted across the three they draft. Some of the players drafted are complete busts, like Caleb Von Chason, for example. So you're yeah. telling me that a team with, for example, 14 That's players good. drafted versus a team that had every single one of their players either drafted or be on an NFL roster by the time that they play, that they're going to make it close. Like, I'm seeing Megatron going against the guy that will sh- sell insurance after he's out of college. Like, Stingley, get out of here with that. Megatron might go for 400 or 500. Get out of here. Stingley? The crazy no, I, thing. I don't know who he goes against, but I'm like in a, in, in a vacuum. This is what okay. can happen. I think the only comparison would be even to like you'd have to put all of the college all stars together, and then maybe it becomes close. Like you get you 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 handpick a full blown all star team from every single college and just draft and just pick up put a team together. Maybe it comes close, but I just think the weight the weight is completely different on these guys. Like I'm looking at the draft as the guys drafted by from LSU, from that team, and it's like Joe Burrow, okay, he's good. Kelvin Chason, complete bust. Justin Jefferson, he's good. Patrick Queen is not as good as he was in LSU, but he's okay. Clyde Edwards-Helaire is a meh. Grant yeah. Delpit is good. Christian Fulton is okay. Damian Lewis, average guard for the Seahawks. Lloyd Cushenberry for the Broncos. He... I don't even think he's with the the Broncos anymore. Jacob Phillips is a rotation guy with the Browns. Shadik Charles, I have no clue where this guy is. Rashad Lawrence, no clue where this guy is. Blake Ferguson, he's a long snapper. And Stephen Sullivan, like he's on, I don't know, a random roster right now, if that. So, like, from these 14 guys drafted, like, what, half are good to okay? So, like, you have seven good to okay players in the best NFL, uh, NCAA team ever versus a, a team with, like, 53 good guys. 
I just think it's that would be as forensic said forty points at least. There's also the like two stats? other aspects. Like I have, sorry to interrupt. There's also two other aspects of like just I think if you put an NFL team against a college team, you're gonna have like this mental shift too of these NFL players going, "How dare you put us up against kids?" Like there's no way we're gonna let this fly. I don't know why that comes into my mind. And also just look at the NFL like in general too. Like these upsets, like the Cardinals beating the uh, the Cowboys this year, the Titans beating the Dolphins in Miami this year. I just feel like. NFL teams just game plan very well too, which is the coaching they have. I I just it'd be tough. Were you going to say that with the All Stars? No, I was going to say even with the All Stars, as you said, maybe it's close. I think it's maybe a ten point game. Yeah, if you get every single good player, yeah. then maybe because then then you're getting guys that are going to start probably in the NFL too, all of them. So you'd have something there. Yeah, but then it's like you also have guys that are just, for example, guys who were great in college. And just come to the NFL in our busts. You have an entire draft, and you have to basically get 22 players. Yes. And sometimes you don't get 22 starters. You don't think you could field a decent 22-man team with an entire draft worth of players? You think they'd beat the Panthers? (laughs) Maybe. the, The pass rush would probably get through. Yeah. The Panthers' defense was like sneaky. I feel like I don't know how what their what their metrics yeah. were, or whatever, but I feel like they were sneaky well, this year. Yeah, they were sneaky. Good. It was, they just the offense. Bryce shouldn't have been out there. Bryce shouldn't have been out there. No, he shouldn't have. That was I think they did him dirty with the, especially after the whole they, like firing of the coach and everything. They did, yeah. I did like what I see down the stretch. Very down the stretch, like last two games yes, or three. Yes, very down. He showed at least some flashes that, which I was concerned. It's like. Okay, I can handle struggles because I thought Bryce was the best QB in that class. And I can handle struggles, but I need to at least see wow plays. And it was nothing. It was just, at best, average plays. And down the stretch, I saw some wow plays. So at least it's like, okay, I'm not giving you a pass because you look like shit. But at least I'm not completely, like, out on you. So, Forensic, you haven't been throughout uh, been around for our predictions what do you make of the playoffs and who do you have in the super bowl so of the playoffs um the biggest takeaway and i am truly the biggest hater um i thought jordan love was very good i'm very concerned about how good jordan love looked in the playoffs um i i feel like there's a lot of hate going towards like lamar and josh allen that was actually my biggest takeaway that i talked about on stream a lot was that after every playoff loss for some of these top quarterbacks, and I say top quarterbacks and I mean it like Tua, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Dak, when they all lost, I, I, I've been told that they're all bad now. They're all terrible quarterbacks. Uh, I wouldn't say as far as teams should move on from them, but that's like the vibe I'm getting from this like this backlash that these teams have gotten for their quarterbacks losing. And I feel like it's it's got to be said that like, Dude, being a quarterback in the NFL is very difficult. It's the hardest position yeah. by far. So when I hear that, like, ah, two is a choke, Lamar's a choke, Dak's a choke, I always I want to ask, like, where where do they go though? Like, you can call them all chokes, but like, do we not care about the regular season at all? Like, is it not is it not hard to make the playoffs? Like, dude, I'm a Bears fan. I would have loved to make the playoffs with a bad quarterback like Dak or a bad quarterback like Jalen Hurts. I would have loved it. So it's crazy to me that like that was the big takeaway from a lot of these games for some people. Um, <clears throat> but uh, for the Super Bowl, at least. 
I have gotten to the point where I said this for the last game two against the Ravens. I'm not fading Mahomes. Um, if I'm putting money down, I'm going to put it on the Chiefs. I would rather sit there Sunday at 6.30 for three hours with Mahomes on my side rather than watching a third and eight again where he runs for it for the first down. I just can't. I just cannot be on the opposite side of that. So um, long story short, I'd probably go with the Chiefs. You hear that, Alex? He can't be on the opposite side of that. How, how do you feel this? I've conceded that I'm done going against them. I've picked them to win the Super Bowl as well. So it's also nice that you get Andy Reid in your back pocket too when you do back Mahomes. It's kind of nice. He's, so he's pretty good. Himself. Alex, you yeah, had an assignment good. for this week. Did you get the numbers? What was our record when we both agreed on a prediction? Oh shit, dude! Oh Dad-ass. no! You no. failed the assignment. No the assignment massively that's gonna have to be for next week i was too oh, busy no. setting up our host oh, oh. to get this done i guess we'll do it after the super bowl because now we have another pick in which both of us are on the same side so i guess it counts for the record i'll use that as an excuse and any oh. predictions forensic for the super bowl uh score i have it 24 13 for the chiefs Angelo has a 35-28 for the Chiefs, and you have it. I would have it at 21-17, Chiefs. Okay. That's probably a really good prediction. Yeah. He's just going to have it straight in the number. It's like our guest that is doing this. Yeah, for. Much. Well, he's not betting for the first time. He is a betting Great. streamer. Quite but... honestly, like in the Kansas City games, that's about where they scored. I feel like it might be 21. more defensive than people think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have a great defense. Quite honestly, the more that I've thought about it and the more the days have gone on, the more I'm starting to regret picking Kansas City, as crazy as that sounds. Do you want to change it? No, I'm not. I'm not fooling. (laughs) I'll say Andy Reid, while we're doing the show, has said that it's a long shot for Pro Pro Bowl left guard Joe Tooney to be able to play in Super Bowl versus the Niners. I believe that. Dude, don't say that. See, that's the only kryptonite, is if his offensive line sucks. We've seen what happens when he doesn't have an offensive line. I do believe believe he missed the Ravens game as well. That makes you feel better. A lot of... Another a lot of things I've been hearing is... People saying Brock Purdy isn't a top five player on his. Some people have been go as far to say offense, but a top five player on the 49ers. Do you agree or disagree with that? Dude, I heavily disagree with that. I with with all like it goes back to my last one with all this shit talk to the quarterbacks who can't do it. Now there's a quarterback who does do it. But because he was drafted as the last pick of the draft, people cannot wrap their heads around it. It's almost like God forbid you put a quarterback with a good system around him and good talent around him. Oh my God, guess what happens? He goes to the Super Bowl. So with all these people trying to find a way to discredit Purdy, and I I don't even know for what, but the I think the the worst part about it is and the saddest part is 
people are not even people are just waiting for him to slip up but even if he doesn't right even if he wins the whole thing the narrative will still be he he got carried by the rest of his team i think it's i think it's pretty bogus and i think he makes the right throws when he needs to like this this game manager terminology is getting hurled around like a slur but it's like dude i would love for justin fields to be a game manager in the fourth quarter sometimes when he when we blow games right like it's crazy to me that purdy yeah. gets all this hate and i've actually never even had a feeling towards purdy but until all this negative light comes out because because I always go back and I'm like, dude, we cannot be hating on Lamar, Josh Allen, Dak, Tua, Jalen Hurts, and then on the same wavelength be like, yeah, Purdy's also garbage because he gets carried by the rest of his team. Don't like it. Okay, so have, that I, quote I, came from Cam Newton, right? I believe he said that he's the 10th best player on the 49ers, and to earn the label game changer, you must be among the top three players on your team. He did say that. So, so here's an interesting. We have a forensic Cam Newton dispute here. Here's an interesting <laughs> discussion that we could have: is is being a game manager really a bad thing, or and what is a game manager, and how do you define what a good quarterback is? Like, what to you is a good quarterback, Alex? And forensic. If I mean for Go me. Ahead, Alex. It's like it's just having the ability to do certain things that I value well. So it's like it's not turning over the ball too much. It's not um, struggling when reading the game. It's having the sense in which <laughs> you... <laughs> just the slight shots that I usually take. Um, uh... It's the sense that you know when you have to give up of a play and not commit the turnover that it's it's going to ruin the rest of the game or at least the rest of like the half or something for your team. So it's a player that knows what he has to do, plus he has that hit factor. It's like, it's what I said when I was talking about Mahomes, and maybe it's a bit too much to say that like the only good player is someone that plays like Mahomes, but I'm using him as, a, as an example of a good player, of course. It's like, when you are down... You know that you're never truly out of the game with Mahomes. And like Forensic being from Chicago, and I am not like the biggest MJ over LeBron stan. I'm pretty on the, the LeBron side. But he feels, although I didn't watch Michael Jordan, he feels like Michael Jordan in that sense. In which it's like, no matter the score, no matter the situation, no matter oh. what... He feels inevitable, and he feels like the guy that will pull the the play late. And this is what I want in a very good QB. A game manager is all of that, except this last. So for me, game manager, I always feel like it means you don't make mistakes. Like I feel like that's like the biggest, uh, my opinion of game manager. I feel like the way it gets thrown around, though, game manager means that you're not a good quarterback and that you rely on your weapons to uh, to win you a game. And I feel like that's pretty unfair because it's a team sport, right? I know everybody wants to simplify it to just quarterback versus quarterback when comparing people, like when you're doing this Mahomes-Brady thing and the people say Brady's beaten Mahomes twice. Like Brady did not beat Mahomes twice, right? That's an entire team effort that that resulted in the Patriots beating the Chiefs twice in, a, in, a, in, a, in the playoffs. But <clears throat> I feel like game managers also just like not holding onto the ball too long, getting the ball out fast, as Alex said, reading the defense, um, just making the right reads and everything. 
And then for a franchise quarterback, I think every franchise quarterback has somewhat of a game manager in them or else you have to be, I feel like you have to be a game manager first before you can become a good quarterback. Um, these guys are trying to play hero ball, right? I feel like what ends up happening is someone like Carson Wentz comes about where you have the ability to be a franchise quarterback, but you lose a sense of being a game manager in you. And then you become like Carson Wentz, who looks like he's running on ice sometimes back there behind the pocket when he's getting rushed. It looks crazy. Um, but yeah, I would I would basically agree with base all, all of what Alex said and just say that, you know, game manager just gets thrown around a little bit too much um, in the negative light when it's like there's about, I say, 15 to maybe 17 teams who'd love to have a great game manager quarterback. So I have a little bit different take than both of you guys on this. And my take is it doesn't matter what quarterback is either. I think that the way that we perceive players is like 10% the way they conduct themselves. Like you can see it in Joe Burrow, the way Joe Burrow's body language and the way he conducts himself, he feels different than everyone else. But the other 90% is how people talk about those players and less what those players actually do. And you, and as you get more exposure, via playoff runs it becomes more and more widely accepted that that is you that's that's how Patrick Mahomes got to where he is Joe Burrow is I'd say about 10 percent of the the allure and like 90 percent that playoff run I think that as someone and you can appreciate this forensic I think as someone in content creation and just the media as a whole, we generally hold the power of persuading public opinion. And that's how you get things like Cam Newton is a franchise, or not Cam Newton, but Tim Tebow is a franchise quarterback. Agree? Disagree? No, yeah, I was just thinking about that. I do agree. I do agree with that. Content creation, we do can't, we can't, we are able to sway some public opinions on anything, even if it's a very, very small subject, for sure. Yeah. And, and especially like that, that part that you said, the exposure to the playoffs. And it's like we talk about Joe Burrow has like if we had to make a list right now, what are the top three QBs in the league? I'd put Joe Burrow second right now. Exactly. What would you say, Forensic? Yeah, I, I have Joe Burrow in my top three. I think I have it as Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, no particular order. Maybe Allen above Burrow, depending on the health available. I'm I'm a big availability guy when it comes to my quarterback. So, but I'm still I I think I'm on the point of this year for Joe Burrow is like a big year for him. I think for where he's going to be ranking on everyone's list because he did have a great playoff run that one year. He has beaten Holmes in the playoffs, but he also, if we're going to stick with the you know the Brock Purdy you know narrative, he's Joe Burrow's had it all basically, except I'd say a very good offensive line. I think they've addressed it a little bit. Um, I'm not too too aware on what they've done with the offensive line, but I feel like Joe Burrow now has like it's time now. Like you got to go back to the playoffs. You got to show it again to show that you are top three. But he's definitely in the conversation, and as you said, even you so, just because of the availability might have him three, might have him two, just depends. And so, it, it's like, like yes, yes, had that one playoff trip that is that is really heavy on his curriculum. And he is second. He is also second for me. But it's it's funny how like so, Angelo basically said, okay, he's number two straight away. Um, but meanwhile. It's like Allen is maybe three, maybe four. Defend if I asked him, it would be a bit different, I guess. 
And it's just the amount of exposure that he has had in the playoffs. And it's like not getting so, through the hurdle of Mahomes while Burrow got through the hurdle right away. So let me just use this as a, another point to bolster my point. Lamar Jackson just won unanimous MVP and made the AFC Conference Championship, and neither of us either even considered him. Yes, that is also true, yeah. That would be my second example. Yeah, the yeah. Lamar the Lamar situation is so 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 layered. I feel like it's so tough. Uh, he's he's always had the target on his back. I feel like um, me as well. He's had the target on his back. Meanwhile, I feel like Mahomes and Burrow. Not so much Mahomes because he was kind of a later pick, but like let's say Burrow and T Law, for example, have almost just been given like the the full blown like coddling and and it's okay. Like they're there, you guys will be all right. Like Trevor Lawrence was terrible his first year, but no big deal. Went to the playoffs yeah. this last year, kind of choked down the stretch. They should have won that division. That's really really bad. Hundred percent choke. That's so bad by them. So and I still feel like people. Now they'll say it, but still, it almost feels like, oh, you're going to say T-Law is a bad quarterback? Like, no, of course not. But people will throw around Lamar as a choke and not even think twice, not blink twice. And it's I, – I, I'm, I'm, I'm weird, right, with it. So, obviously, a Bears fan, but I'm very, I guess, protective of quarterbacks who win games for their teams and are in the MVP conversation, like Tua, Dak, Jalen Hurts, and Lamar, that I always feel like this negative light on them is a bit strange to me sometimes. But it you know, gets like, to you. It has because everyone thinks it, so it has to get to you. Yeah. yeah well, if I had to ask, for example, forensic, I'm not sure if you would agree with that, but if I had to ask Angelo, who's the better QB, Herbert or Lamar? You know what's sad? Yeah. The first thing I thought was Herbert. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what people think. It's like a lot of QBs have all of the excuses in the world, and Herbert. I know is it's one of Lamar, but instinctually, I was like, "Oh, Herbert." Yeah, exactly. I knew the answer and was Lamar, and what I still will be the answer for you, forensic. I see. I know the answer supposed to be Herbert, which is like I think that's messed up in itself. Yeah, like, exactly. like yeah. the better because I feel like when you think a quarterback, and you think of Lamar, you're thinking about him running. But dude, as someone who had him in fantasy this year. He's not he wasn't running it that much. He did not run it. And I think that was almost his downfall in the in the playoff game. Just he needed to run it a little bit more. That fourth and two where they ran for it at the at towards the end of the game was nice. Like they got it for like six, seven, eight yards. But I I think the Herbert needs to take the leap this year because he's get he's been he's been given enough excuses. We we're we're, we're past exactly. that now, right? I'm almost yeah. curious to see what Justin Herbert's gonna be like without Keenan Allen, too, because we haven't seen that yet. Yeah, and it's like, it's funny that one of those guys has won two, uh, he's about to win the second, I guess, Se- uh, M- MVPs, and both of them should be unanimous MVPs. Meanwhile, Herbert has, what, one playoff trip and just I, I completely disagree on the lost. definition of unanimous MVP, but, but go I on. mean, it's the name. It's what he has won. He won the first one as unanimous. I'm pretty sure the second one is going to be that as well. Um. And like the other guy, what what has he achieved in his career? He basically went to the playoffs once and lost the game. He was up twenty eight zero on. So that's the thing. Why saying, do we view Herbert in that light? Because a bunch of people have talked no about exposure. Herbert in that light, and then you're like, oh yeah, of course Herbert's there. Everyone yeah, else no says exposure in the playoffs. And meanwhile, Lamar, no the biggest it. thing. No one yeah, questions it. The main thing against Lamar is he's a choker because of the playoffs. Like he went to the playoffs, which in of itself is pretty good. Uh, in this in this instance, he actually won a playoff game or two, um, uh, one in this case. So he has playoff wins under his belt, and he's a choker because he goes to the playoffs and like versus the best team in the league and the best QB in the league. 
he lost that game. Eh, just doesn't sit well to me. But I'm sure, I mean, you were saying, Forensic, that like Herbert has run out of excuses and all that. Last show, uh, I know you you listened to the first part. I'm not sure if you listened to the end because I think this segment was in the end. I asked Angelo, okay, so we are pretty sure that Harbaugh is a good head coach. And what we have said in the show for quite a while, it's like the best QB and the best coach usually get far. So they, if they have a good QB, they have a good coach, they should go far. And I'm like, so this is this is it, Angelo. Like, he has run out of excuses. And on the spot, Angelo found an excuse. What was the excuse? Well, <laughs> Uh, what was it, Angela? Do you remember? Oh, no, it was. I, I remember. I remember. It was like I asked him. Okay, so he should at least make the playoffs, right? And he's like, "Yeah, but he's oh. in a division with the Chiefs, and yep. there's good teams ah. in the FC. The FC has really good teams. They have really good QBs. So maybe yep. he might miss it. The team has a lot Can't of goals. Like they have a lot." And it's like, oh my god, the season hasn't even started yet, and we're already making excuses to why he might miss the playoffs. So this is the level that he's on right now. He gets yeah. all of the excuses. Herbert can do no wrong. He can do no wrong. Could you imagine oh. if Herbert, or excuse me, if Lamar blew a twenty-seven nothing lead in oh, a playoff would be game? The biggest choker around. It's like the memes would be guy. insane. Like we don't even see like Herbert memes about it. Yeah, there's like, nothing. Ever. Because yeah. it's Staley. It's all on Staley. And I understand that Staley was a really terrible coach. But it's like, everything is on coaching. Everything is on the players. Everything is on everyone but Herbert. Yeah. It's no, the everything GM, but it's Herbert. The it's the OC. It's the O-line. It's Eckler who's old when it's convenient that he's old. It's Keenan that <laughs> sucks when it's convenient that Keenan sucks. Because on other days when Herbert does well... It's like, oh, yeah, he does well. And yes, Keenan, who's great. And it's like, when he sucks, it's like, yeah, Keenan really dropped that ball. Um, and the guy that's throwing him the ball and who did really poorly, no, nah, no, nah, it's just on Keenan. So when he wins, it's like a team effort in which, like, Herbert elevated the team. When he loses, it's like it's on the team. So that's a really funny kind of untrue there. No, for sure. I feel like this season, there will be under the craziest microscope. I don't... I don't think I'll accept an excuse of like, oh, it's Harbaugh's first year with the team. Like, no, 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 no. We got rid of Staley. If you're a Chargers fan, oh. you guys got rid of Staley to do stuff now, to compete with Mahomes now. Not to, it's not some type of like, like a startup build up project. Like, you have the hardest piece already on the squad, which is what people would say or consider a top seven, top five, top seven quarterback in the league. So it's showtime. And you had all these names on defense, which I don't know how it didn't pan out on defense at all. They've always had like a bad defense for some reason. Sure. It's because the the coach. Uh, Someone needs, I still have yet coach. to see a solid explanation for how they have a terrible defense with Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, and Derwin James. Because they have a defensive head coach. Oh wait, no, that should be the other <laughs> way around. Right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they did have a defense. <laughs> so true. Uh, I thought I thought that was the reason. My bad. Yep. Jesus, still you really suck. Oh, Goddamn man. man. He should never get a job in the NFL again. That was just a catastrophic failure. For him. It really was. And it's like, it's not just, and we talked about Staley before in the show, and it's it's not just that he was bad at his job. 
it's the lack of accountability really that strikes me and it's like the reporters being like okay so the defense is probably an issue here after they allow i don't know like 30 something points and it's like no the defense is not an issue because that's the unity that's the unit that he, he cares about the most because it's a defensive head coach and mm. that's the one that he's in touch with the most and it's like it's the finger pointing it's everyone but him it's the analytics except that he just uses the analytics when he's sort of so then well pleases it's everything else is the excuse but him which goes in end with end with the criticism that his qb gets it's like it's everything but herbert and his coach is like it's everything with me so i i think they should have actually stayed another year i guess they seem to tie up really well together oh man that's rough alex <laughs> and on that note i think this is it right <laughs> I do have one question for forensics because I have I I did I didn't miss a question. Okay, before he goes, it's the most fucked up thing you've ever seen on stream or ever happened on stream. The most fucked up thing on my stream, like that's happened. Yep. Yep. Give it. To oh me. my god! I need it in my veins. Give it to me. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um. I think the most sad I've ever been on stream is when we bet the Norwegian first half uh cup to have uh first half goals and it was like zero zero and like all of them at the 38th minute that i mean i'm trying to think though dude i would say the most happy i was on stream is when the bears traded the uh the one first overall pick for dj Moore. i went fucking crazy over that but damn the most fucked up scene thing i don't do that i now that you damn now that you say like i guess is a stream boring like we don't see that fucked up shit other He's than blessed. just like soccer betting He's soccer betting stuff no, I actually think his stream is like relatively tame compared to others, to be honest. I don't necessarily okay. see a whole lot of guys in there that are just like making waves. There's guys that, because it's a betting stream, of course, there's guys that jump in there and it's like, told you so, and it's guys that jump in there and try to be the, the no wall and be like, why didn't you take this? Why didn't you take that? And being like super annoying in regards to that. But like, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm usually pretty pretty calm on stream. I don't necessarily type a lot. I just sort of listen to him quite a bit. Have you ever um, been on his stream, like not just watching, but actually been on it just out of curiosity? No, no, I don't think I ever was. Okay, curious. Trying to think, like now that you mention it, yeah, like it is just it's the people in the chat. I guess I've been <laughs> I've had people like comment just like weird stuff about like. I think someone said, like, I think this was when I wasn't even on Twitch. I was on Kick, and this, like, person came in and was like, such a shame you're playing games. You should go uh, find a oh, wife. Or, or no, I, I feel remember. bad for your wife. The, the person that I feel bad for your wife, and I was like, joke's on you, buddy. I don't have a wife. No, I remember that one. That was actually Self pretty burn. recent. <laughs> yeah. he, he basically told you to touch grass. He did. He did. He did. And I was like, it's Sunday, dude. What do you want me to do? It's I touch grass on Sunday. <laughs> oh, no. That that's what I needed. All yeah, right. Yeah, for the most part, it's pretty tame. <laughs> All right. Alex, All right. You can do the outro. Forensic, yes. thank you for coming Forensic. along. You should come back sometime. Tell, no, I appreciate tell the it people, a lot. Tell the people where they can find you. Yes, you guys can find me at iForensic. That is I-F-O-R-E-N-Z-I-C on all socials. Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Twitch. Uh, you'll always catch me on Twitch for big European matches Tuesday to Thursday. I'm obsessed with Champions League, so I'll always be live on those days. But other than that, you can find me on any of the socials at that name. And I appreciate you guys a lot for having me on. It was a lot of fun, and I do want to do it again.
Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Glad to have you on. We also should make this like a yearly special. Yeah, for sure. That would be fun, yeah. Okay, guys. As Angelo used to say, there's a, fi- a fancy, nice little donate button right there that you can click to help us out, help us the show, help everyone. Uh, if you're listening on the po- Apple Podcast app, if you're listening on the Spotify app, just leave us a review, five-star review. That's the only thing that we take here. We don't take anything less because we have standards. Um, just subscribe, turn on the auto-downloads. That really helps the show as well. And if you're listening on the YouTubes, uh, turn on the notifications, like, subscribe, all of those things. And as always, guys, have a great Super Bowl. Have a great week and talk to you guys next week. Alex really didn't warn you about me then. Oh, he's Wait, gone. why? <laughs> no, I'm he, did, he didn't warn. He didn't give you any warnings. He just said, hey, come on. Uh, yeah, he just said, come on. Me and my friend have this podcast. And then I told him, send it to me so I can listen to it on my drive to my parents' house last week. And I, I think I got, because it's only an hour drive for me. So I listened to the first hour of it. Um, But no, it was this was great. <laughs> Alex, you're a bad friend. <laughs>